Everybody shout, favor is fair. Is it fair that God rewards them? Is it fair that there's a payday? I mean, do you work for your company for nothing? You Nobody does. There's your payday. And for those that haven't read that book yet, it's time. You need to read my book. Your payday. Because it comes in every season. In every season, you've sown whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. It's, it's God's system. So joy is not an event. It's God's reward system for making good choices. Let your neighbor know good choice for being here this morning. Let them know it's a good choice. Good choice. Because you must stick with the process with God. Amen. A fruitful church. Holy Ghost, help me this morning in Jesus' mighty name. That my words will not be set forth in plausible words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power, a proof of the Spirit of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers their most holy emotions, thus persuading them that their confidence and their faith will not rest in a man, but in the power of a living God. I give you praise for this. Everybody said, Amen and Amen. Keep praying for us. We are busy with council. We are busy with the town planners. Your plans for your place. It's God's moving. Come on. We are blessed going out and blessed coming in. We are blessed in the city. We are blessed in the field. Come on, you need to confess it. We are blessed when we have conversations with council, all fruitful conversations. Amen. A fruitful church. Mm, mm, mm. So, we're going to get into the understanding about a fruitful church. And so, for many people, when you look at the fruit of a church, you look at souls saved, good indicator. Sometimes you have good gatherings, good events, great speakers coming in. People gather together and they speak about that being the fruit of the ministry. But those are not necessarily indicators that you are being fruitful. Because there's a huge difference between gathering sheep and growing grass. Grass is for grazing for a lifetime. The gathering... You even forgot what I preached last week, never mind last year's conference. So, I'm not impressed with the gatherings. Even with people getting saved, in a way. Because you must be saved. But look at Africa and the mess. And the most people saved is here, on our continent. Because a fruitful ministry or a fruitful church even a fruitful continent is what we're pushing for, should show forth fruit in the people. So you can't say welcome to the best church in the world if we don't have the best people sitting here right now. The best church is only because the best people are here. So a fruitful church means that everyone is fruitful. You are so quiet. You, you, you are... A living stone. A stone can't sing, but you are a tree, but you're a living tree that can say amen right back. So, this is a fruitful church.
because the people are all fruitful. So it's the conversion of from a worldly system to producing fruit in the kingdom of God that should be proof enough I've switched systems. That's what a fruitful church looks like. Let's go into the depth a little deeper this morning. But I want to show you some things through scripture. Let's, let's lay out some scripture. I want to preach to you from Mark chapter 5 this morning. I've actually got the whole chapter, but we're going to just take chunks out so that you can catch a wind of what it is. Mark chapter 4, Jesus is preaching this word. It's the word he called me on concerning the kingdom of God. He says, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To everybody else, the kingdom is like a good bedtime story. It's, it's, it's a parable to them. What's a parable? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That means somebody that's not born again, somebody that's not in the kingdom of God, they think the kingdom story is just like, ah, they're just telling stories. So God puts a veil over their eyes until you receive the Holy Spirit and it draws back the curtain and gives you revelation about what it is to be in the kingdom of God. And that's what he did for me. He says, your call is that I'm giving you mysteries of the kingdom. And every time I would fast and pray, he would say to me, Mark chapter 4 verse 11. It's like, just, I don't want to hear the scripture anymore. To you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Of course, then you have to go studying, right? And you discover some things. So, Mark chapter 4, he begins to give this revelation of the kingdom. But there must be then a demonstration of the kingdom. So, he gives him the word. And he says, let's cross to the other side. Let's break from the religious setting and systems. Let me teach you the power of this kingdom. And so, Mark begins to show that. And on, on another scripture speaks about how they encountered a, a, a fierce storm that was there to destroy their faith. But when he gets into Mark chapter 5, and, and Mark, the apostle Mark begins to show the power of the kingdom of God, he deals with three things in Mark chapter 5. He deals with the city, he deals with the church, and he deals with the child. The city, the church, and the next generation. So we're going to unpack some things in Mark chapter 5. Let's have a look at this. They, then they came to the other side of the sea. That means I was stuck in a religious system. Jesus comes and he preaches the kingdom. Now I must demonstrate the power of the kingdom and shift systems. Everybody say shift systems. Because many people have switched kingdoms, but they haven't switched systems. We only know about you being fruitful. It's, it's, it's the evidence that you have switched systems. That when we look at your life, you will know them how? By their fruit. So I can watch religious nuts. Um, I, I went to Israel, and Israel is the craziest place when it comes to religious people. They pay all kinds of money, stand in long queues to have this religious encounter. But religion has got no power to transform you because it's a form of godliness denying the power of God. And you've got to be careful when you're listening to religious nuts. Because I remember the one particular guy, and I don't want to say which denomination he comes from, but I led the group. We took them onto the other side and we went through all the different experiences. And here's my deal with our tour guide. 
I said, I want you to speak to me in terms of A, B, and C. A, when I come to a site, you tell me this is exactly what happened according to the scriptures. That's what happened. B, it is what happened in the scriptures, but it's not exactly the same site. It's in the vicinity. C, is this never happened here at all. And so I judged everything through the scriptures. And as I would get to every site, I would say A, B, and C. Then he would say C. But the people that are even spiritually dense, religious people, they're sitting and crying for Jesus. They're on their knees. And they got the hand on a rock because they said, this is the rock that Jesus prayed at for, whatever. And everybody's standing in long views and saying, aren't you the pastor? Aren't you standing in the queue? I said, no, I'm not. And people are waiting for hours. I'm sitting and having something to eat on the side. They say, go and enjoy yourself. And because religious people, it's, it's easier to deliver a, somebody dr- stuck on a, a drug addict than it is to deliver people from religion. Because I can deliver you from a demon, but not from a doctrine. Doctrine must be washed out of you. The junk you've taken in from religious settings. You must let that stuff go. Because you need to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. So let's make sure that we're not just coming to church, but we are a fruitful people. So Jesus takes them to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. Verse 2 says, And when he had come out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me, demons speaking to him. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he said to him, what is your name? And he said, he answered, he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. We control this region. We control the city. He also begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Because there are principalities that control certain places. So you be careful of unproductive people in your environment. Because they've been controlled by principalities. And unfruitful, unfruitful people, you, you can't ignore them. Because you can count the number of prisons, prisons you have to build by the number of, of school dropouts you've got. You can't ignore no impact people. Unfruitful people attract all kinds of curses. Fruitful people attract the favor of God. But unfruitful people, you can't ignore them. Not in your church, not in your family, not in your home. You can't ignore that. So the swine was there and he chased the demons in there. But they put him out of the city because they were controlled by by pigs. They were pig farmers. And that city wouldn't bring in the presence of God to deliver a man and to make the man fruitful for the kingdom of God. Because principalities can control regions. And it's over families and homes. 
the big thing in my life, whenever I look at the sons, the daughters, my family, my son, my daughter, his wife, my wife, every one of us, where's the vision? What are you busy with? What are we supposed to be doing? You can't have no impact people around you. They must be fruitful. This is a fruitful church. Everybody said amen. You can't ignore them. So, they deal with him around the city. So Jesus goes to the other side. Let's, 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 let's press on. I want to I move on to something that is, we'll show you something. Mark chapter 5 verse 25. So he goes back to the other side. No, no, no. I needed the scripture before that. Okay, 21. 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, the church. Everybody say the church. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And he begged him earnestly saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So Jesus is on his way to deal with a particular church. When you're dealing with a woman, you're finding it's a church. So the announcement comes that this church we started is dying. Jesus, you need to come to this church. And while he's on his way to save this church, this next generation this child, a certain woman, another church, had a flow of blood for 12 years. 12 is the number of governmental order. 12 is the number of months, disciples, um, Jacob's, Israel's, the nations. 12 is governmental order. 12 is also, it also means that God is in charge. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. So he came, Jesus came in to bring in a brand new government so that you and I can function out of a different system altogether and that our lives can be fruitful. So anytime you know, don't come under the government of God, under the systems of God, this is the problem that you're going to have. Watch this church. They had suffered many things from many physicians. That means this church called in all kinds of different kinds of people. Preachers, teachers, evangelists, deliverance ministries. Dealing with sexual disorders, dealing with all kinds of stuff. For she had this flow, this church, kept on hemorrhaging. And had suffered many things from many physicians. This church spent their whole budget. But the church did not get better. But rather grew worse. How many people struggling in churches with various different challenges. And then you run around and say, I'm telling you now. 
If we put the red carpet down here in the church, the people are going to come. The issues are going to stop. Jesse won't visit the house anymore. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came. This church started doing something that no one else could have done. She came behind. Kingdom Life Embassy decided to go and fast and pray for 14 days. And came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Come on somebody, help me preach this message this morning. Because I know somebody's been pressing into the kingdom of God. Come on, you need to understand the power of your press. You need to understand the power of going after the kingdom of God. Because I found a scripture that said the kingdom will not pursue you. You must pursue the kingdom of God. And when you get into the kingdom, it looks like we're in a bit of a press. But it's okay. I know that everybody's having church. Oh, come on, help me preach this. Because this church said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Come on, somebody. This is Kingdom Life Embassy. And this is the church that is pressing into the purposes and the plan of heaven. This is the church that understands that we can get healed in our prayer life. Shandalabo. Ha ha. Let me teach you something about the kingdom quickly and about pressing. Luke chapter 16. We'll come back to Mark 5, 29. Is it Luke 16? Help me. With that scripture. Luke 16, 16. Read with me. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. And who's pressing? Who's pressing? You must understand the power of the kingdom. The kingdom's not coming to find you in your religious setting and say, God, if you want to bless me, here I am. No, no, no. I've got to get up from that religious setting. I know everybody's having church this morning. I know that everybody is going after Jesus. But there is a different kind of press when you're busy with kingdom agenda that you know that something good is going on here. Come on. Go back to Mark chapter 5, verse 29. Immediately, someone's going to get an immediate breakthrough this morning. I am telling you, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. You're the body of Christ and you're the body of, of believers at Kingdom Life Embassy. You should feel something this morning that something is shifting. You should be smelling that something is different. You should be looking at your neighbor and say, I'm telling you now, if you're not going with me, I'm going to go all by myself. But I know that there's something good going on in this place this morning. I'm going to jump to my feet and I'm going to believe God that there is something good going on right here. 
So Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude, everybody's going to church. Houghton's got so many churches. There's beautiful big churches. It's comfortable chairs, aircon. Nobody disturbing my worship. I walk in the same and I leave the same. Yeah, everybody shout, not here. Yeah, so let, let it not be so amongst us. I'm sure you came in here for a reason. Whatever you're dealing with, that you came in with, it remains right here. In fact, we're going to send this thing. Return to sender. Everybody said amen. Some people just don't want to change. But this woman, this church, his, but his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you. You see everybody coming in, but you're saying that only one person touched me. We're then bumping into you. I mean, we're all in the same WhatsApp group. How come one person's only getting the breakthrough? I mean, we're all saved. I mean, come on, all churches are the same. You know, and besides that, I am the church. I don't have to be with anybody else. You, you, you know what I mean? You're hearing this generation, but you, you don't understand with your lazy self. It's not helping you because the kingdom of God's not going to pursue you. You're going to have to go and press into the things of the kingdom of God. And this woman understood it. I am preaching to kingdom life people. I'm preaching to you all over the world. You need to know that the kingdom is not coming after you. We got to press. Everybody shout, I press. Disabled, he says, you see the people thronging you and you say, who touched me? Jesus says, no, 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 no. He looks around. He says, no, 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 no. Everybody's going to church. But there's this group of people, the remnant. They're fasting and praying. Because they want fruitfulness in their lives. They're tired of the hemorrhaging. They're tired of losing things. They're tired of hanging around with people that are going nowhere. They're tired of money being drained from their accounts. They're tired of people stealing their money. The devil stealing their sleep. The devil touching their children. They're tired of spending money on things that doesn't bring a return. Is there anybody that says, I'm done going to the hospital? I'm done living off this tablet. I'm done trying to get the, the devil's been draining me. Every time you come around certain people, you feel tired. Because they drain you. They don't add value. They tell you the same old soppy story. And how bad it is. And how terrible it is for white people in this country. No, no, no. It's worse for black people. No, no, it's worse for Indian people. And the colored people, they need Gaten. You keep pressing into the wrong stuff. We're pressing into the kingdom of God. Because when I become fruitful, I'm not going to owe anybody 
a thank you. Come on. Because I'm going to discover that favor is fair. That if I stick with God and I become a fruitful church and I stay in the presence of a living God, everything's going to be all right. You think that God looks at everybody. No. He looks at those that are in faith. Everybody's walking around and oh, singing songs. And I'm sure my boyfriend is here somewhere. And then there's others that are really pressing into Jesus. He looked around to see her who had done this thing. That is a strange one for me. I mean, it could have been him. What do you mean her? No, because it's the church. She is the one who carries the womb that if we get the right seed inside of this church and the right seed planted in the womb of this woman and we get an understanding of governmental order, this woman's her issues are coming to an end. The depression's going to break from her life. The things that she's been worried about, you think about somebody that is dealing with an issue in her life. The last thing on her mind is fruitfulness. She can't even think of having a baby. Because I have an issue. You can't have, become fruitful. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So he takes this church because they were pressing into fruitfulness. Because they matured now, they're going to trust God on a level they've never trusted Him before and say, God, healing comes from you because I'm now coming under a government that works. Because when I come into the kingdom of God, I've now come in under another government. My life, I'm not in control of my life anymore. I'm not in charge of my thinking anymore. I'm now coming under the kingdom of God. And I know that when I came into the kingdom of God, I, I was done playing church. Going to church on a Sunday morning was not enough. I needed my whole life to become fruitful. I needed my home. I needed my money. I needed a sound mind. I needed vision for the future. I needed my step to be ordered by the Lord. I'm not going to waste my life anymore. I'm not running to this motivational speaker. I'm not running to this prophet anymore for prophet. I'm going to stand like a tree planted by the rivers of water and my life is going to produce and become fruitful for the kingdom of God. You watch me next season. Shout. Let your neighbor know. So you watch me next season. I'm going to be better than what you see right now. If you think it's good right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. We 
coming, baby. We're coming. We're coming with the goods. We're coming with our health. We're coming with the money. We're coming with our children. We're coming with our grandchildren. We're coming with vision. We're coming with everything. We're coming with our buildings. We're coming with our systems. We're coming with our strategies. But we're coming, baby. We're coming. I'm letting the devil know this is September. We are in a new season and we are coming. Shout, we're coming. Jesus. Shout one more time, we're coming. We're pressing into the kingdom of God. And we are coming. Don't get mad at my breakthrough. Tell your neighbor, don't get jealous. Because my stuff is coming. Because there was this mature church that could not produce for themselves. I shared it yesterday in prayers. A couple of weeks ago, maybe six or so, I had this dream of a little strange. I knew it was the church and we were doing a renovation. But I, as I looked at this renovation, I saw we couldn't expand it because all the DV board, all the, the wires and the, the circuits, the power was on this wall. And I couldn't change and break down that wall because of this, the power that was there. But as I looked, the, the other wall, the new wall, had all the power in there already. But I'm like, I never saw that. How come that is there? I mean, this new board has been there for a while. But we haven't used it. We were living off this thing in the small space. The Spirit of God told me when I woke up, You've been depending upon someone else's power to get your stuff. Yet I'm renovating the house. You're going to be able to generate your own money. Generate your own power. Come on, He gives you power to get wealth. Somebody's going to hear me. You in this house, God's enlarging your territory. Lucilia, there's a word for the Lord of the Lord upon your life. You've been depending upon everybody else, but the Lord says, uh, and I've seen it years ago. There is an anointing of God upon your life. Stand to your feet. There is an anointing of God upon your life. It's the power to get wealth. Uh, wherever you go, whatever you do, there is an anointing. Don't back down now. Shout amen. What is God doing? He's healing you from your affliction. He's stopping the things that are the drama in your life so that you can bring something from your life. Oh, no, no, I must go and take the children to school. Please be seated. Oh, I must go and take, you know, I, 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 the, this next thing that I must do. Oh, then, the, you know, there's this conference of how to make money, this thing. It's like, are you listening to you? All you're running around is trying to fix a now need to meet a now need to fix a now problem a tree doesn't work that way it's winter and there's nothing on these leaves and these branches but spring is coming and I'm going to be rooted in the house of God you run around and play your crazy games 
and listen to everybody else's positions that you're running to. Oh, I'm sure it's about that. We need to know how to learn how to manage money. Let me tell you something now. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. Let me give you a testimony. Say, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. So, the Lord's been speaking to us about different renovations and different ideas of what to do. So, I've been praying, walking on the land, looking at different things. Man, this week, on a Monday, we take a walk here because we're dealing with the design of the main house in the foyer and the, the renovation of that house and the house next door and what our admin blocks are going to look like and what we have to be doing. And the Lord gives a vision. Like in detail where every wall, room, kitchen, and a, no architectural experience. To Pastor Z. I'm like, are you listening to you? She says, no, no, this thing mustn't come here. She's walking, she's saying, no, no, just keep this here, keep that here, put this here. And the Lord said it would be done in, in three weeks, within a three-week period. Dr. Winston shares that. He says, I had no moral experience. But the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He will teach you. Stop running around everywhere else, spending money, spending time. The thing that I can give you back is, is, is money. I can't give you back your time. When you've sat and have given somebody else an hour, two hours of study, whatever it is, you've given them a portion of your life, you're never getting back again. Why are you wasting time? She wasted time and money. But okay, that church is dealt with. Let's get on to the next church. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, this church is dead. <laughs> Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, he says, don't be afraid. Sometimes you're looking at a church, you're saying, there's no way this church can live. We've been there before. God put out of a big building and hosted Dr. Miles Monroe. In fact, it was 11 years to this day. A Sunday morning on this day, we shut the city down. And Dr. Miles flew in. We hosted two services. And it was 11 years ago to this day that our name got changed from living life to kingdom life. Come on, thank the Lord one more time this morning. Come on. And when we lost the building, it was like the child had died. People left. I've never seen so many people leave the church and monies and, you know, you had your office there. Now you're sitting back in your house and you've got to counsel people from the house. And it was just a mess. And I looked at God and I'm like, God, what, what up? Because this church had just died. Huh. So grateful this morning. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler, he said to Apostle Max that time, he says, do not be afraid. You, are li you were living life. You're now kingdom life. Only believe. I changed the vision. We changed the mission. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. Uh, John, the brother, the brother of James. Then he, said, then he came to the house of Kingdom Life Embassy, and he saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly. I've seen people. Oh, God, how can that building go? He had to see Brian. I had to keep on passing, say, Brian, just stop it. Just stop it. 
Apostle, they put all the things out. It's Monday morning. When he came and he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? This church is not dead, but sleeping. Someone's going to hear the word of the Lord this morning because God's been good to this church. You're going to celebrate God this morning. Come on. If, you, if I can tell you, test me after test me, how people ridiculed us. Look at this. They ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, some of you need to understand the importance of putting out an unbeliever in your life. There's certain people I've got to get, I get you, you, you got to go. You gotta go because your unbelief is affecting all of us. He took the father. You, this is what pruning looks like. You so uh, that, that that person doesn't call me anymore. God says, "Good, I made sure that that phone got got disconnected." He took the father and the mother of the child, and those who were with him. He took the mother and the father of the child. He said, "Tell you why." Because the people that paid a price to give birth to that church are the only ones who really, really care. When you paid a price to walk with this church all these years, my wife has paid the highest price to be in this church. She should be paid the most. She'd be paying more, get paid more than me. She should be celebrated on every level because she walked away from her career. She, I get to preach. She's got to sit down. People come and celebrate me. You should be celebrating her. She fights like never. Come on, somebody. Jesus didn't speak to everybody else. I had to just take my family and I had to go into the room by ourselves. And those who were with him and he entered where, the, where Kingdom Life Embassy was lying. Then he took the child, he took Kingdom Life Embassy by the hand and he said to her, Talite Kume, which is translated, Little Church, Rise. I say to you, rise. Immediately, Kingdom Life Embassy arose and did what? And began to walk. Someone's going to hear me. How old was the church? Read with me. For the church was 12 years of age. It had come to a season where this child was going to start producing for the next generation. Someone's got to hear me. It was the time when the church could become fruitful. Come on, somebody. Governmental order. The church that had the issue for 12 years, the blood stopped. Then the child that was the church that was dying at the age of 12, he could now raise that church up and say, it's time for you to be fruitful now. Go and walk with a kingdom understanding. Get revelation. Let the power of the kingdom come upon you. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded strictly that no one should say anything. Here's the thing. I've given you the example of this church. It was since the name change. Our rental was 220000 rand a month. Pastor had some crazy faith. And I had some people that were following me crazily. 
Then God brought us into a place and he said, I'm going to teach you order in my kingdom. That you're going to own land. And you're going to learn how to rule and to govern and to be fruitful on your land. I'm going to teach you how to raise up sons and daughters that knows how to govern their lives. I'm going to teach you that everybody in your church, every son and every daughter, will become fruitful for the kingdom of God. They're not going to use the church anymore just for a wedding ring. They're not just going to get married. They're not just going to look for a burial and dedications. No, no, no. We've gone past that. We are now raising sons and daughters because this is a fruitful church that will be able to walk in the city and walk throughout with soundness of mind. And everybody's producing for the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Build your church. Hold it from the ground up. Parents, hear me. When I am dealing with all of my issues, I preach to you about the church. Let's make it personal. If you as a parent do not become fruitful for the kingdom of God. The next generation will lay there. I'm not talking about them dying physically, spiritually. They struggle to believe a God because one week you on, then you off. Then there's drama in the house and then there's the drinks and the wine and the partying all around you and they're watching you. They're watching how unfruitful your life is. And they're saying, but if it doesn't work in you, why are you dragging me to church? If the kingdom doesn't work for you, why are you trying to pull me into a system that doesn't work? I remember with my son, we got born again and it's a Friday night and I think maybe born again, maybe, I don't know, four, four, four five years maybe. We've had drama, man. Issues on so many. I shared most of them. And I went to my son and he was laying there. And I think he could have been about, I don't know, 12, 14, I don't know. And there was drama in my house again. And I went and I knelt at, my, at his bed on my knees. And I was, as I was praying to God, I went to him and I said, son, you need to forgive me. It could have been 12 o'clock or 11 o'clock that night. I'm telling you now I'm getting it right with God. He said, you've always promised this man. Nothing's changed. I got up weeping. Went to my bed and I said, Lord, you told me to go and apologize and make things right. I'm on my way somewhere. The Lord says, son, you've apologized. Now go bear fruit. And he will see it. And it could be a while, but eventually they're going to pay attention and say, but that's my father. Because while I'm dealing with my issues, the devil's messing with my children. While you're not getting fruitful, while, you, while you're playing your game, while you think you're still young and, you know, I want to do my thing, the children are watching you. He's dealing with the one church. 
But he's saying, if this church doesn't get healed, the next generation is going to struggle even more to become fruitful. She had 12 years with the issue. But this child has not even begun to live yet. She's 12 years old with so many issues that she's got to face. You've got to be the demonstration. You've got to show the power of God's kingdom. You can't, I, I am, my biggest concern right now is handing down the wrong frame to this generation. My biggest concern. There are five things to become a fruitful church and then we have to end and have communion. Can you put it up quickly for me? If you're going to become fruitful, here's the church. I said to you, a fruitful church means that the people are fruitful. You, we can't have so many people with issues and one person being fruitful. We need more people fruitful and we can deal with the issues. Okay, I'm going to prophesy over this church. We will have more fruitful people in this church than ever before. We are not going to be dealing with issues and family issues over and over again. We're going to find a fruitful people. Clap your hands by faith. Somebody shout, God, make me fruitful. This is what a fruitful church looks like. This is what a fruitful people looks like. Number one is that the Savior takes center stage. That's what a fruitful church looks like. If what we are preaching and teaching puts me bigger in the picture, we have a problem. Because I must decrease, he must increase. Jesus has got to be the reason why you come in here because the, the image you look upon is the image you become. So the more you gaze upon him, you get transformed into the same image as you look at Jesus. From our songs, to our worship, to our training, our development, Jesus is the center of it all. Come on somebody. From beginning... To the end, it'll always be. Jesus. All right. Number two. The Word of God must become our value system. I love spending time in the Word. I love getting revelation from God. I love teaching the Word of God. Anytime we come out of the service, you know, people say, oh, the worship was amazing and that happened and that was good. And I asked, what did you learn? I come to my staff the next morning. I say, tell me what did you get out of what I preached yesterday? Because it's not important for me to preach. It's important that you understand. You must understand. Understanding is the truth we're standing under. What do you understand? When you read the scriptures. Because the word of God becomes our value system. I don't care who you are. I don't care how gifted you are. The word of God is our value system. And if you violate the value, the word of God, we don't need your gift. We don't. You, you, you don't. I'm not interested. I need to know that you have a value system for your marriage, for your home, for your life. You violate this value system. We, we have a teaching that has come through for over the years through even Bishop, uh, Bishop Bismarck. It's called principle above personality. We don't care how great the personality is. We all live by the same principle, including my children. 
We get disciplined by the same word for my marriage, for my home, because the word of God is our standard. If you want to become fruitful, number one is Jesus must be lifted up in your home. Number two, the word of God must be the standard that you eat by. That's when I ask people, so how was the service yesterday? Oh, I never listened to the sermon. I'm like, for three weeks. You can't tell what I've been preaching. All of my life, I've given to you. Because I can't get back the hours. And you belong to the church, you can't tell what I preached. The word is our number one thing. It must take its highest, not your education. Your degree won't give you the victory you're looking for. I am telling you it's revelation. Everybody shout amen. amen. Number three, once I've preached. So Jesus is there. His word is there. Now the Holy Spirit's hovering. Are you convicted to change? When you've heard the word preached, oh, did you hear D.E. Jakes? Oh, Stephen Furtick is on fire. No, are you convicted not it was good for your ears. Not that the sermon was nice. Oh, listen to this clip. No, no, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I can't do life that way anymore. I can't treat my wife like that anymore. I can't treat my husband like that anymore. That's why we got the word. Why? So we don't conform, we transform. That the Holy Spirit can, can say to you, you, you lied. That no, no, no. You keep pretending like you're giving. You're not. I know how much is in your account. Whew, it's quiet in this church. That the Holy Spirit can tell me that's not the offering I told you to give. We had a speaker here last year. Chuks Ozebua. And honorariums are given to everybody. And I give him his honorarium and he leaves and he's just a wonderful man and it's all good. And I'm at home the next morning. The Lord says, I didn't say you must give him that amount. I said, I want, you, I want you to give him this amount. Can the Holy Spirit speak to you like that? Are you convicted? Or is your conscience so seared that the Holy Spirit can't prick you in any way? That he can't tell you? I mean, I got up from there and like, I couldn't sit still. My wife says, what's going on? I'm like, I can't sit still. Just give me this money. I just need to go and get it off. I'm just going to bless the man and repent and say, please forgive me. Because when the Holy Spirit tells you this is what you need to do, why aren't you doing it? Why did you come to church? Why are you listening to the Word of God? Why did you get saved? You know you never prayed like you should have prayed. Oh yeah, I, you know. Amen, amen. 14 days. That the Holy Spirit can't tell you that what you're doing is wrong. Listen to me, woman of God. You must train up your husband. You must bring him into a place of praying. Because when that girl comes walking in there with her, lo and behold, skirt, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will tell him, this is not your wife. It will get Joseph to get up and run and leave whatever behind for the sake because the Holy Spirit's convicting him. He says, I can't not sin against your boss. I can't sin against my God. If there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit, you need to know this is a fruitless church. You need to give fruits of repentance. That my life is changing. I'm getting better. I'm making a better decision. That when I walked into a church, I knew everything had to change. From the alcohol I drank, 
From the way I treated my wife, to the way I spent my money, to the way everything had to change. It's been 26 years, 25 years of constant change and God is not stopping because he, every season is asking for change. Can the Holy Spirit still convict you? Not listening to me anymore. He said you need to serve. He said you need to get into the worship team. He said you need to be an usher. He said you're going to serve in the children's church. Is the Holy Spirit still convicting you? Because that's a fruitful church. Not we go into church. Not that we gathered. About your money. Can He speak to you about your money? Brian had made a decision a couple of, you know, maybe about a year ago. The Lord spoke to me there's a certain amount of money I had to give to Dr. Dr. Winston and sow it into his ministry. Brian went and he was, we needed, had a need for a computer and he had already ordered a computer. I said, no, son. You draw back that day and you tell them, I'll find another way to bring you money for your computer. But that money is not yours. Don't touch it. Because I, I don't ever want to violate the Holy Spirit in such a way where he says, I'm not speaking to you anymore. There's certain people, I try to correct them personally, but it's, it's done publicly because the Holy Spirit's dealt to them personally and they're not listening. Raising up a generation and training them up. Does the Holy Spirit still speak to you? Are you still being convicted and saying, you can't gossip about people like that. You can't destroy people like that with your mouth. Oh, you smile in front of them, but behind them you're speaking about them. Offended and angry. Can the Holy Spirit speak to you? Is He still telling you that what you're doing is not right? That that is slothful? That you are not on time for church or a meeting or, or the way you're treating people and the way you're slandering people? And every time you smile to their face, but you're gossiping behind them. What kind of a friend are you? And the Holy Spirit will stop speaking to you because he's not a gossip. Ooh. Let's move on. Number four is growth. What am I talking about? Are you, do you know what your next level of growth is with God? So for me, God's been speaking to me about everything that I need to establish in this next season. He says, I'm giving you the money. Build the buildings the way I want it. The relationships I'm giving you. I want you to build the walls around this place. I want you to put all the teaching in place. I want you to put the media center together. I want you to put the library together. Because be let this next generation be clear about what they need to develop in. Click ministry. We're writing our own curriculum for our children. I'm not even trusting it to the world. We're building our own and we're doing what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. It's tough work. But Daphne and the team and Sean and, and Ron and, and, and Brian and, and, and Teacher Dean and, and every one of the children's ministry, we're following the Holy Spirit. You can't be fruitful being unfaithful. You need to make up your mind you're going to grow. We're growing as a church. We've laid out every piece of this, this campus. This embassy. Every piece we're going we're gonna to put in proper structures and order. And you watch what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Because this thing has become personal. Because it's my personal legacy. Of what I'm passing to the next generation. How I'm training up my leaders. You watch the youth coming through. 
I will spend time with you. I'm mentoring the next generation of Timothys and Pauls and the Esthers. I'm going to train up this next generation. I'm not leaving it to chance. We're going to build proper structures for every single body because our children's lives are important. I'm not going to trust the world and, and complain about the world. We need to build systems here that makes it work for our children. Everybody said amen. The next level of growth. I'm starting the Joseph Business School again here next year. We're going to have our own classrooms. We're going to train up our own business people. We're going to develop you as a leader the way you should be. We're leaving nothing to chance because this is the kingdom of God. Come on, preach to this apostle. Say he's blessed going out. He's blessed coming in. Call it. That whatever I put my hands to, it must prosper. I can't leave any area of this ministry to chance. For somebody else to come in and say, oh, I'm really with you. And then you look around and it's like, but I thought you were with me. Now you become more of a problem than a blessing. Somebody shout, not me. Because people that have no impact, people, you can't ignore them. You must grow. Grow with the growth that God gives. Number five, and it's the final one. The world. A fruitful church. They're not only growing, but we have a worldview that Jesus died to save the whole world. Do the people in your organization know that you are saved? Just look at your neighbor and say, come out of the closet, man. Just come out of the closet. Come out of the closet. How people don't know that you're saved. I mean, your gift, your time, your love, your peace, your joy. I tell you the reason why we don't tell the world that we're saved. Because the moment you do something wrong, the world will say, I thought you were saved. Yeah. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I've come a mighty long way. Everybody shouted amen. Yeah, every year I'm getting stronger. I'm growing. I'm getting better. I'm working with God. Everybody shouted amen. Come on. You need to begin to believe God this morning that we are on our way somewhere. My marriage is getting sweeter. My home is getting better. It's more peaceful in my home. And besides, we have enough finances not just to pay our bills. We're helping other people pay their bills. We are fruitful on every area. The world knows. And here was the question. I have every now and again, and every pastor should have, who started a church. Here's the question. Would it matter if this church closed down. Shut it up. Break the buildings down. Plant seedlings everywhere. And give the world something from the land. Would it matter if this church closes down? I got one yes. Because the question that every pastor asks himself every now and again. It can't be all the time because then there's something wrong. But would it matter if I'm not here anymore? Would it matter if this church is not here anymore? Would it, would it, would it matter to this community? 
got to be the question you've got to answer. So I tell you why. Because the day you become fruitful and you built the synagogue, Jairus, whatever's around you and affects you, Jesus must come to your house to come and fix it. Because you are valuable for the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? There are some people like, you know, when they die, it's like everybody's like crying and saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. Have you ever had one of those where like, I'm so glad. Let it not be so amongst you. Let them weep crocodile tears because that tree producing fruit everywhere. Everywhere you go. Your workplace is a blessing. The world loves you. You're like a fruitful bow. That's Genesis. That, like Joseph, your name is Joseph. You're a fruitful bow. And the, your, your branches are hanging over the walls. And the world's coming to taste and see that the Lord is good. That people are not just getting saved. For me as an apostle, for your, as your father, my biggest thing here is that the sons get the message and they function out of a new system. That is what is called a fruitful church. Please take that scripture off. Give me, give me Genesis chapter. Hmm. Genesis chapter 20 something. I think it's 26. Okay. Let's be done. Let's have the worship team up. I want you to think about your life and the conviction of the Holy Spirit at this point. Are you playing church? Is when I preach a word, does it, does, it, does it burn in your heart? Does the Holy Spirit still convict you? That if you've opened up a screen and it's the wrong stuff, or got involved in the wrong relationship or said the wrong thing, is there still repentance in your heart? Does it still matter the fact that you're being known as being a gossip? I don't know why I felt this. The whole morning as I'm showering and getting out, I'm saying, Lord, but what is this? The Lord says, whisperings and gossips. I'm like, it can't be so amongst us. Mm. Let's not kid ourselves. Where people begin to speak about you. There's certain things in my house that say, that person and that thing, nobody discusses this thing anymore. It's finished. Whatever happened, happened. Let God deal with the rest. It's the way we work. I don't want to be putting my mouth to things in people's lives. And the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue risen against you in judgment you shall condemn. You can sense it when people are speaking ill about you. I, I, the word curses are spoken. Whisperings and gossips. Like the Holy Spirit's not there. Now, if you're following the Holy Spirit, He'll tell you that people are talking about you and things that, and not to judge them in any way, but to just cancel the word curses. Can I cancel every word curse spoken over your life? That you're going to use your lips to speak life and bless only and not curse anybody. Why? You are convicted this morning by the Spirit of God of the words that you're speaking that's hurting people and canceling destinies. I bless you today. Come on, lift your hands from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet.